1: health, environment, and the power of water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now here's your host, Sharon Kleina.
0: I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour. Power of water. I will say it over and over again. My world has been for 35 years studying water and our planet Earth. And the priority as a species, water is... The living species that brought all life and species to our planet. And many of you don't know that 14 billion years ago, there was moisture around the atmosphere, moisture in the atmosphere around the ball of the planet. That moisture hung there for billions of years and all of a sudden, here came a change. And when the change began and the sun comes around, to face the planet, then all of a sudden, what happened? Moisture would come out of this atmosphere. Droplets of rain came down and began to pour rain through the sky down to what we call in now planet Earth. And as it came down in that spot and began to recycle the atmosphere to water down on that planet the wind began to absorb and it would go pounding down through eventually the surface of the planet because it became fertile, more fertile. And as it would pound down through the planet, now we call Earth, it would get down into what we call aquifers, but there's cavities in the middle of our planet that you could walk, you know, it's like thinking about caves, So as it began to recycle itself from the atmosphere first to the rains coming down, but it would stop, of course, it would stop raining, depending upon temperature and the cycle and what was happening with recycling of that atmosphere that was there first. Now, I've been teaching you with this show, and that's how serious we all are with this show. This show is to teach the world that there is nothing more important than water, fresh water. It's the number one most important goal, mission of our lives. I have a prayer for all these years that says, Thank you, God, for choosing me for the mission to be able to go out and discover and study and bring people from around the world to learn. The discovery that life is in water that can save our planet for eternity, save lives and maybe fight those diseases because they're dehydration diseases, all of them, and our breath of life because it was that moisture around the earth that gave the planet breath. A chance to breathe. Then came the rain. Then came the fresh water. Your body is made up of water. Your brain is 80 to 90% water. Your teeth are a percentage of water. Your bones are a percentage of water. Your blood, your liver, your kidneys, your skin, your heart, your water. It's because when the earth began With water, it began to recycle this, and this is where we come from. This is where research comes from, and the scientists from all over the world are applauding what we're doing here with this research. And as you know, I'm founder of Biologic Aqua Research Center to study all of this. This is where we come from. The moment you were born, you came from a pocket of water you entered into that delivery spot. It could be at the tree, it could be in a room, it could be at this, any spot. All of a sudden, your body at that moment as a brand new baby in this world began a process of no water around you like you came from the water of your mother's womb, but you lived with the atmosphere's water like Earth did, did and still does. So water and the atmosphere is your primary reason of living. It recycles your body water. You're made up of water. Living with the atmosphere's water, it recycles itself. But there's things that you need to learn, and we learn them together and remind each other together all over the world that when you're living from that moment on and there's no two eyes alike, Because at the surface of the eye, is 99% water. What is the dehydration of the eye, moisture, water, evaporation loss? Water loss to vision impairment and to blindness. Everything is that dehydration process because of the recycling that is necessary to keep moisture around the body. Moisture in the body, moisture in the eyes is vital. No two fingerprints alike, genome differences, testing, um, DNA, and I could go on. What are we learning? You're that unique because of your water and how you're living with the water in the atmosphere that is keeping you personally alive. That's how important this show is. And as we learn and we bring our guests in on here from all over the world From all over the world they come in, from Holland and China and Kenya and all over the world, all over the United States, and we can go on and on and on. They're coming in as scientists, authors of very well-known books. They come in to teach us the topic of how important your health is, water is, and you as a person are so unique. You're special. Because how you're living with the atmosphere because of your uniqueness, your evaporation of body body water loss from the moment you're born to your passing on, called dying. It all lives with water. I just got back from China and um it is absolutely we'll have Dr. Fong on again and some other doctors out of China, scientists that I was with, had a wonderful, wonderful time. The people are so warm, so warm. They hug, they care, and they're all working very, very hard for the whole planet. They're doing something that is just amazing, but they fell in love with our technology of water and understanding of what we can do to make a China a new lifestyle and around the world because we do something nobody else has ever done. I want you to know that China is absolutely struggling with a pollution problem because of an industrial revolution. There's 1.3 billion people. And 1.3 billion people have to have a livelihood. They all have to be busy with food on the table, paying for rent, paying for electricity, paying for water. Everything has to be paid for, of course. They're all working very, very, very hard for the whole planet. So we had a wonderful time, and they are going to be struggling with the the pollution, but they're working at it, and they're serious. And we're going to be very excited to work with them. Um, Today, my secretary, Bonnie, always gives me some research for you to look up before we bring our guest on. I need you to look up the California storm they just had. Um, Look up drought and the uh, environment, and for California. Now, California just had these horrible, these wonderful rainstorms. Now we can call them horrible because we pave, we have pavements that don't absorb water. We have, we we did so much to improve ourselves on this planet. It doesn't absorb a lot of water when the rain comes down. It kind of runs off to the ocean. Now, uh, look up that. And look up the California, what the search, will what, what, well, these storms help the California drought? And, and, and there will be one place in California. Do you remember my show I had recently down in Orange County with the president of the water district down there? They're recycling all their water. Not all the water runs to the ocean. Water is going back into the aquifers. Even Disneyland is recycling water. The rest of California and the whole wide world should learn from Singapore, And from Orange County, that area, how to recycle water. If they were recycling water all over California right now, they would be able to take advantage of every drop and do something with it. So let's think that way, too. It's very important. And it should be a global concern, what we can do for the planet to be here for eternity. Let's bring the word eternity back into our focus and really care about each other. Don't take it all with us. Leave something for those generations behind. I know Earth is whispering that. Well, before we listen to our sponsor, we're going to have—I uh, will tell you who our guest is today—and it's Olivia Hittner. She lives in Southern Oregon, not too far from where I'm at here. In, I'm in Grants Pass, Oregon, in Southern Oregon. She's owner and and um, manages the uh, business of farming fish that she and her husband started some time ago and we're going to learn more about this. This is one of my future excitements is farming fish in uh, aquatics. It's going to be a very fun show. Don't go anywhere. We're going to listen to our sponsors, Biologic Aqua Research Center, which I'm the founder of. We have a product that ophthalmology research came to me years ago and said that hydration, evaporation of the eye is causing blindness and vision impairment of out of control. We know it's the environment, the atmosphere, that we're not getting enough moisture to the eye to be able to supplement for the electrolytic ability for eyes to be balanced with that 99% water at the surface. Could you help us with that? So a year later, I went back to them and I said, yes, I can. So they talked me into launching the product to supplement this moisture to the eye. It's called Nature's Tears Eye Mist with just a mist. It's not regular water, it's special water. Tissue culture grade of water is the trade secret. It's nature's pharma water. To be able to supplement the eyes whenever you wish, to be able to for a healthier eye, and if you have a dryness or a complaint, all you have to do is just mist. And gals, it doesn't run the cosmetics. You could use it all day. It just your cosmetics will look good. And by the way, it softens crow's feet. It absorbs. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears IMS, and we'll be back with Olivia.
1: Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinerHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinerHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program.
0: Our audience today, uh, our special guest is Olivia Hittner. And, Olivia, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me on today. Well, I enjoyed. uh, I'm really glad I could have you on again because I'm sure you have a lot to tell me. Now, how do we pronounce your last name? It's Hittner. Just like I said, Hittner. Yep. Well, I want the audience to know I'm so excited about what you and your husband have been doing, and for so long you started. Now, how long? How many years ago did you start your farming? Well, um, we started here in Southern Oregon in
3: 2011. And uh, we were down in San Diego um, for eight years before that. And it was, um, it was probably four or five years before we moved here to southern Oregon when we decided to, uh, to start farming this way and went about the planning and um, mm-hmm. getting all the ducks in the row in, in order to do it.
0: It's your business plan written and your strategy. Now, t- explain to the audience what fish farming is. Well, um,
3: fish farming is is aquaculture. Everybody um, seems to be very familiar with the idea of of raising fish um, to eat. But what we do that's a little bit different is uh, a thing called aquaponics. And um, aquaponics is, most simply put, the marriage of um, aquaculture, which is raising fish in water, with hydroponics, which is raising plants in water. And by combining those two um, systems of growing, both are more efficient and better off and happier, and create um, a single ecosystem instead of um, two separated processes. And so, um, what happens is the the fish um, create nutrients for the plants, and they um, the plants take that nutrients up out of the water column and, um, and keep the quality of the water um, high for the fish. So both the plants and the fish benefit from living together just like they live together in every lake and stream and, um, and river that we see every day. So we've basically created um, that same sort of ecosystem inside of our greenhouse.
0: Right. I, I have got a new pet description of the word recycle. Um, I, I just people have to realize, Olivia, where uh, life on the planet is all recycling. It's constantly recycling from the moment it had a breath of life at, at all. And what you're doing is you're recycling. Um, you're taking the species of water. Water is a species. It was the first species to ever be here. It brings all life to Earth as a species. And you're taking that water, and, and describe what, when you mean, um, what does it look like when a person is thinking in their mind if what you're talking? Do you uh, have, um, explain uh, how you're, you're, you have this in greenhouses, I'm, uh, don't you?
3: Mm-hmm. So, and so in, in the greenhouses,
0: would... what does it look like in there when you've got well, that water? Well, when you walk into through? our greenhouse, um,
3: so if you, if you walk into one end of our greenhouse, uh, you're met with six large fish tanks. They're about um, 10 feet across. They're above ground pools, and um, and the the water in, in all of those those uh, separate pools holds um, holds six or seven hundred fish each, and they're all at different sizes, growing um, in each one of those tanks. And then the water from that side of the greenhouse is then sent through a filtration system and um, comes out into um, the rest of the greenhouse, which is um, hydroponic run. So it's it's basically um, a, a sea of floating plants. So we have rafts. A sea rafts of
0: floating plants. Plant. I
3: like that. <laughs>
0: oh,
3: yeah. Um, yeah. Um,
0: uh huh. Um, so, now, and, and it, it might be easy for plants, your. Though, how do the roots? Do you have little uh, cups or something where the, the plant is in something to where the roots are touching the water? The, the plants are not really floating on the water. You have something to maintain that plant above the water, right? Exactly. There's, there's okay. rafts
3: that float on top of the water, and then the plants yes. are plugged down into those rafts, and their uh-huh. roots hang down into that water column. There we go. Yeah. And, okay. um, and then, But from above, it, it looks like raised beds basically, um, but instead of being raised beds in, um, in soil, they're raised beds and there's water underneath them.
0: Right, right. Wonderful. And, oh. and I, I'm sure the plants have a much more crispier taste.
3: You know, all, our customers say that our lettuce is the best tasting lettuce they've ever had. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, they say it's sweeter. Um, I, I can't help but feel that way myself. I love our lettuce. Um, but I, I think that it has something to do with the plants having as much water and nutrients available to them as mm-hmm. they li- they'd like at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so whenever the, the, the temperature and the um, conditions are just right for them to have a growth spurt when, they're, when they want to, mm-hmm. they do because they have everything there whenever they're ready to do whatever that is.
0: And then you're doing something else. If it's in the greenhouse, you're getting a condensation of the moisture in the air that's a sor- a, a, a helping that also. I don't know if you ever thought that way, but that's my research is the atmosphere and the moisture yes, and the water. And, the- and
3: having that ecosystem in there is exactly how we're able to save so much water. Right. Um, our greenhouse, uh, we're able to grow the same amount of vegetables with 95% less water. Um, I'm just going to say that again, 95% less water, um, because it's really incredible that we're able to use that much less water to grow the exact same vegetables that it would take to grow those in ground. So um, last year, for instance, we used 1.5 million gallons less water than we would have, and we grew the same amount of vegetables. So that's all the water that we left in stream for other farmers to use, for the natural ecosystem to use. And, um, and, you know, that's something that we're really proud of is, one, our ability to, you know, get through droughts like we had last year, mm-hmm. but also to, um, to help everyone else through them by, um, by saving resources.
0: Exactly. It becomes a recycling uh, uh, coalition. <laughs> you know, it is, and I love I've that you brought up on the term mind. recycling. Uh, but that's teamwork. Um, in other words, uh, what you're learning to do, you're sharing that with and uh, and as, as as that people learn it, I don't know if you heard me at the beginning of the show, uh, my last show, that I had, uh, I was in Ch- I just got back from China, by the way, uh, but on my show before I went to China, um, I had the president of the Orange County Water District on Olivia. And you know, mm-hmm. did you know they're recycling all their water now? Even you know, I had heard it. that they're doing some very innovative things down there. Very all, all recycled. Less water going to the ocean, more water into the aquifers, and everything is recycled. Everybody's part of a recycling plan. I felt, thought Singapore had taught them. No, they, they were working on it together. Singapore is fully recycled water too. So, I'm a believer of when the Earth began at the moment 14 billion years ago. With that, it was all moisture in the air, water vapor around the whole planet. And then when it began to, the temperature change and everything was just whatever ideal, correct, I call it. And here comes the sun for the, you know, facing the, for the first time. And then all of a sudden, the earth began a recycling. And that's what you're doing. Recycling the species uh, with what you're doing. Water is the number one priority, of course. The moisture and the air, they relate to each other. The moisture and the air was here before the water was in Fresh water was running around, flowing, and then all of a sudden uh, there became a recycling. Our bodies are recycling, but with your with your farming, now you talk. We talked about the plants and the aquaponics there, but now what do you do with your fish? well the fish um, the fish are raised to eat
3: um, we uh, fish farming has has gotten a bad rap um, and rightfully so in a lot of ways. a lot of fish farmers aren't, um, aren't aren't doing all they can to protect our resources and make the most of the method of farming um, Fish is actually um, it, it seems to me um, you know from the things that i 've been learning about fish and proteins and and other things is that um, you know, if we are going to get a handle on how we eat and what we're able to produce for ourselves, we need to think about things like feed-to-growth ratios and stuff. And um, an interesting um, fact that was brought to my attention recently was that it it takes, um, there's a ratio of, um, for every type of protein, so for like a, a pound of beef, it's a 30-to-1 ratio. So it takes 30 pounds of feed to make one pound of beef. Um, when you're raising the animal. And um, what's incredible about fish is it has the best feed-to-growth ratio of any protein we've ever come across. It's one-and-a-half to one. So it only takes Mm -hmm. one-and-a-half pounds of of feed to make one pound of of fish protein that um, Mm -hmm. that we all need. And so um, to me, when I think about how we're going to feed people and how we're going to do that with the best resources, application uh fish is is a is a big no-brainer for me we should be putting more resources into uh raising fish proteins and doing it responsibly um and I I think that that's one thing that um that's special about our farm is that we really are looking at where is the best um what's the next place for this resource for that resource um when you talk about recycling um I have a strong belief that there is no waste in the whole world you know, it's, it's just You're a right. matter of, of where the point. next stream mm-hmm. um, is and where to put those resources and, and how to recycle those resources Um, most efficiently and um, because that's all the earth does is it just puts everything back into use back into use over and over again and um, and that's what we're trying to do on our farm is is look at at the waste stream of of one thing and tie it into the next thing and I think that that's what farmers have done throughout all of time Um, and we're just excited to to be doing it in... Well, and then, um,
0: Olivia, what has happened along the way, you know, and I'm very fair because economy is business. And we need businesses on every block. We need entrepreneurs, inventors, and everywhere, uh, on every block of the globe. Uh, But what happened is there became what's called a public market, a publicly held investment. And then all of a sudden, when that business would go public, the money would drive the demand of the public stockholders, which I'm fine, I'm I'm, I'm all for, but the stockholders with trillions of dollars demand more money. So therefore, the, the businesses out there are put pressure on to demand them to produce more and more and more. Instead so of better what happened? and better and yes. better. <laughs> yes, there we go. And, and uh, when, when there's a stockholder as innocent as the stockholders is, because they can say, well, I'm against this, but maybe their investment is doing something else. It's publicly held. And the demands on them and for them to produce food, they have to produce it in a hurry to produce that X amount of dollars expected. So it's one true. of the reasons: I'm that cycle. For, One of the reasons I'm for what you're doing, it gives people choices that when you go out and you can go shopping for your food, your health and your nutrients that are becoming educated by what you're doing, but it's a recycling of, of a much healthier way to, to eat. And we're like our shows had very well-known individuals on here with backgrounds extraordinarily global studying nutrition, and when you're doing what you're doing to get the food pre- available that's healthy because it's being grown in the water, and it's got the atmosphere above it because the water that below there in those troughs is is, is adding to. The atmosphere and the atmosphere is always a priority, too, because the atmosphere is always there. And you need that water and that atmosphere. Then you have it producing the way you are. And it's like you said, you've got the produce. And people every day should eat salads. Green vegetables are vital to your nutrients of your health and digestive. But then you're adding the fish nutrient to it because the fish is putting its own droppings in the water, its own oil from the fish and its life into the water, and it's recycling itself because it's a water fish. It doesn't live on the dry land. So that recycling of those nutrients from the fish into the water, feeding the nutrients to the atmosphere and then also to producing your um, green leaf vegetables, isn't amazing? Isn't it funny? It, to even it talk really about? is.
3: It's so exciting to me to know that um, that the way that we farm is so in line with the way that nature works. Because I feel right. like whenever we're emulating nature, um, we're on a right track, and and that's why I feel so strongly about this method of farming is because it does execute nature's principles. All we're doing is following um, what nature has taught us to do and what she has done for millions and millions of years, which is to, um, you know, see the links that we all have together and, um, and to benefit and create abundance from that.
0: I don't know if you heard me at this show, during the beginning of the show, but I brought into my research center something that I think every research center should have, but because of my research, I looked at things a little different. I brought in a scientist, Dr. Cecil, who was with NASA for 35 years as a specialist in the atmosphere, scientist, hydroth- hydronic scientist, and climatologist. And the reason <clears> I did that is because I wanted to learn all about that. And I want the whole our research center to be placing itself with what the Earth has done for, and I don't know if you knew this, but 14 billion years ago, that Earth had that moisture around it, even though water wasn't here yet. Earth still was circled by the, as the water at, in the atmosphere. And uh, it just absolutely, uh, when you look back at how it's sustained itself and how it's recycled itself, it is absolutely amazing, the miracle. We're going to listen, Olivia, to our sponsor. You've been here before. I only do it once. And then we're going to come back. And then um, I've got some other questions to ask you about what you're doing. And uh, we'll find out what the rest of the world's doing doing. I'm sure you're keeping on top of with hydroponic gardening, too. You'll be right there, and I'll be right back. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist. Did you know the surface of your eyes is 99% water? Do you know that allergies and complaints and, and, and fatigue and dry eye is is out of control in the world because the atmosphere is changed. It's no longer as abundant and as healthy and the, and the temperatures are changing. changing. But the eyes have to depend upon the atmosphere to be healthy and have an eyesight. It becomes impaired when the your eyes become evaporated too quickly, dehydrated. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the only product worldwide to be able to with just a mist very simply with tissue culture grade of water special nature's pharma water being able to mist and supplement that as you drink i hope eight to ten glasses of water for a 24-hour period eat the right nutrients this is a supplement as a handheld portable device to be able to supplement whenever you wish with just a mist We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tear Eye Mist, and we'll be right back with Olivia Kittner.
1: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
2: Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops.
1: listening to the sharon kleina hour health environment and the power of water if you have a question or comment please direct your email to sharon kleina hour at yahoo.com that's sharon kleina hour at yahoo.com now back to the program
0: olivia we were talking about the recycling and and what we're all learning to do and going back to the roots of how this all began on our planet Living with this solar system of uniqueness, um, you and your husband have been doing this now for a while, and I, I'm sure you're keeping logs of, of technology IP values that are very, you know, for you to learn more and have available to your future values too. But what are you learning out there? Are is this becoming in communities around the United States more common, or is it still not as common? you know, um we've seen we've seen the um the adoption of this method
3: um, there's a lot, of, a lot of energy around it there's a lot of people interested in doing it um, and, and especially bringing it into the agricultural scene um, there, right now there's, there's a lot of people that have been practicing this method for themselves and for their families um, but there are also um, people who have been doing that long enough to, to really want to use it to, um, to feed more people like what we're doing here on our farm mm-hmm and to, to bring that into a higher scale of production. And um, we're actually uh, really looking forward to um, hosting one of the world's leading researchers and educators here on the farm um, about aquaponics to help more people to do that um, because we do see that being the direction of um, of the industry, and we also see that there needs to be some support there from people who have done it, and so um, so we've decided to go ahead and open up our farm in January this year. And um, Professor Charlie Schultz from uh, uh, Lethbridge College in Alberta, Canada, is um, is going to be coming here to um, to Southern Oregon to to teach people about how to bring aquaponics oh, into Olivia, uh, the is commercial level. Oh, wonderful.
0: Oh, my goodness. You know it's, what you we might just do feel is blessed email to be able to take
3: our experience and be able to, to share it like this.
0: Right. Email me um, his um, name and everything, and I'll have him on. I've had others in in, China, in Canada on, and that would be a wonderful subject to have on uh, and what you guys are doing and all. Um, so when is he coming um he's coming uh to the farm uh january sixteenth
3: through nineteenth um okay. it's a friday saturday sunday monday mm-hmm. course um and um And we're actually, um, right now we've got all the the course details up on our website and people Mm -hmm. can see all the topics that he's going to be covering. Uh Um, But what's really exciting is that that not only is Charlie coming to to share his research and understandings about aquaponics, but we have people um, coming to share um, understandings of policies and uh, where the industry is going and uh, market outlooks. Mm -hmm. We have... um, we have policy makers coming to, to share about permitting and different processes that are involved. Yes. Um, Oregon, um, Oregon TILF, our organic certifier, has, um, has given us uh, some stuff to share with everybody about the organic okay. certification process of this method. Um, we're just, we, there's just all sorts of really, really great speakers wow. coming to talk about all of the different aspects of getting into something like this and right. being successful at it.
0: Right, and you know, I've got to tell you before I go on, I had a guest on my show, uh, he was brought to my attention, and he's well known all over the world, but he wrote a book called Harvesting Intangibles to be Valuable Intellectual Property Technology Futures to Values of Businesses that are Built, and Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I'll just give you a hint of how the book began, and you've got to get that book. Because it'll, it'll, you'll begin to pick up for your own values of your business you're building in invention and technology, uh, a value. And as an example, he had his grandfather had a farm, and his grandfather decided he was going to sell the farm, but the farm didn't have that much sales. But he, they, he felt there was value to the farm, so. What he did is based on the original Constitution of the United States puts in there that your technology is your value to what you own, and it should be protected and valued. So, uh, what he was teaching is intellectual property and technology accumulation of writing it and keeping track of the investment, money, so on, builds a value to what you're doing you, because your your uniqueness is the future of what you're obviously doing now. You're going out and sharing to build a coalition of others who may want to start doing this, but be learning how to do it. And as they begin to do it themselves, there should be a documentation and discoveries at all time, writing up how you're going about it for, to build a future of value of appraisal to your future, what you believe it's worth to you. And that book is called Harvesting Intangibles, Andrew Sherman. I've had so many people, I've told from research scientists to farmers, that to go out and didn't realize that how you report your taxes is not how you value your businesses. And the business's values are based on how you kept track of your technology and the uniquenesses and how you, what you learned how to do. But I'm a believer that farming fish and, and, and what you're doing and the agriculture of the growing and the greenhouses, hydroponics, is a huge future. And and it, Livia, you can answer this for me. It, could there be too many people doing it? Because it's probably in demand. You know, um, to be perfectly honest, I don't believe there can
3: be, which is why we're, we're we feel mm-hmm. so strongly about sharing the practice, is because right. we see that... That um, food can be grown better. There's so much food to be grown better that um, that that we have zero protectionist um, thoughts around uh, mm-hmm. around the practice. We want more people to do it and and to. Um, and to, for all of us to get better and better and better at it um, by doing it together and doing mm-hmm. more of it. And so well, the more aquaponic growers there are out there, um, the better off we'll all be because um, because there is so much food that can be improved upon at this point. So, and you help um, each other.
0: You can help each other. Uh, um, you're farming kind of like a potential maybe by having this gentleman come and open your doors to sharing and then all of a sudden, others that do that, that begin to think about it and do it themselves, and then you build a coalition of environment where all of you get together once or twice a year and share. And you have your exactly. Skype, you have your web pages, you have things that you can do to share and keep improving from what you're trying. Because, you know, in research, I, I'm, I'm, I'm this way about research. I, I'm, a, I'm a nerd because I love to study. And I'm a believer, Olivia. Can you ever learn enough about what you're doing? It is impossible. It can be ever every, every moment of the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, le- it's a learning. And, and this is why I was so excited to have you on again today because I was anxious to hear wh- how you've done and, and, and what you're learning. And what do you think you've learned since the moment you began, and what you know today with what you're learning? What, oh gosh, we learn stuff. Does?
3: we learn every day. I think the biggest thing that um, that we've learned is um, is that that yes, we're on the right track. Yes, this is this, this is a, a big part of the future of agriculture, and. Um, and yes, it's um, it's it's viable. Um, you know, when we started out into this, um, on a lot of levels, we were proving out um, this scale of production, and um, and after doing it this long, we know that um, for absolute sure that that this is um, a better way to grow some kinds of foods, and um, and that it is going to um, to really impact agriculture um, in my lifetime. And um, and I'm really happy to have, have found that out for sure. You know, um, a lot of a lot of what we are doing here is pioneering and, and pushing the envelope. But um, that pioneering and pushing has made us really really um, believe even more strongly that um, that this is this is the best
0: way to, to go. With, I have to ask you too. You probably had to learn a lot about you're living in Southern Oregon, the seasonal changes and the temperatures of the atmosphere and uh, what you're doing. And then also last summer we had a consistent hot summer, which was very rare. So you had to learn about how to deal with the atmosphere with that, too. Like we every did. Farmer, we, we, the we've really office.
3: gone through a lot of seasonal changes here and um, and seen uh-huh. some extremes that Southern Oregon has to offer that it doesn't Hi. always um, um, show, but that are there, and um, and we had we did have to make some changes to our greenhouse and um, and and change a few of the ways that, that we were doing things to really um, get that climate control inside Hi. the greenhouse to get that environment that you're talking about and keep it consistent through all those seasons. Um, but now that we've really honed that in, I um, I feel like. Um, I feel like we, we've really made this greenhouse, um, we've updated it to this region's climate, and, mm-hmm. um, and it'll be producing, um, producing very well.
0: You said a magic word, climate control, there. I'm a believer, and they're working on a UN committee with me and, and my team around the world, and I'm a believer that of this. We have a climate problem. But it isn't all in a package the way they're saying it to me. I believe there's not enough fresh water on the surface of the Earth to balance out the atmosphere's water vapor that was here first. They influence each other. The atmosphere Mm -hmm. influences the fresh water because it brought fresh water to the planet. And then we had this fresh water on the surface of the planet around the planet. And that then would work with the temperature of recycling of the atmosphere to be able to have some part of an ecosystem, let's call it, of a climate balance. I don't like the word control, balance. Mm. But back to the dehydration of individualities, our personal dehydration as a person is no different than this planet is going through. It's going through like that finding cycle. the climate balance
3: of our bodies of there our planet come. of our growing systems, all of it. I, I like that term that you just used, the climate balance.
0: I do too, and you help me with that there for a minute. So then, when I came along, looking at where we're, as you know, Olivia, our planet is in the worst water crisis by startling surprises than they have ever. They never dreamt it could be that serious. Now we have there's reasons uh, along the way in the 1800s they were working not to let that happen. And it's kind of like in California the former governor Brown in the 60s and his legislature built those canals so California wouldn't make mistakes and have a shortage of water because their number one economy is not the movie stars. It's agriculture. And they didn't want them to go extreme and be able to h- be balance out and have water. What did they do throughout the world? It's nobody, it's nobody won. They, just, they, they forgot and left the water, Olivia, behind. It's almost like, well, yes, the real estate improves if there's a puddle of water in front of the land. Cricks going through the land, a river in front of the land, the ocean in front of the land. But for some reason, they forgot what makes life on Earth sustainable, longevity, is number one, fresh water. And our, our, our leaders, quote, leaders, found other things that were by far more important to being reelected and leaving the water behind. And they're in the worst crisis all over the world than you can imagine. And the water wars and Middle East have been going on for a long time. Their sand that they have that became abundant, dominating, the microorganism of sand is not the same as the microorganism of living soil. And water... And as you know, Saudi Arabia doesn't even have one river. So what happens to our planet, and look what's happening even in California and states where they didn't prioritize water. They became dominating with sand. And it's like I was reading here recently how you can take water and add to sand and it becomes, you can make blocks out of it. That's what they did so far back with the pyramids. They formed the sand with water and, and made it like almost like a concrete but because it would form and tighten and they could make it into blocks as an invention and they made the pyramids and then they started making their places to live and so on. Sand is not meant to keep life alive. So what has happened on the planet to hopefully, I believe, our committee, when, when we get together and do this next year finally, is bring a balance of freshwater technology studies and on the surface of the planet, not, not let all that water run to the ocean, freshwater, and be able to recycle with the atmosphere's water vapor is what keeps us alive, number one. That's the number one reason you're alive, is because of that water in the atmosphere. That's what it was here first. Then you have the temperatures, that they work together as a temperature. But we need to slow down the dehydration of human organisms. It's out of control. Diseases are out of control. How, they can keep inventing medicines to potion stamp it, but the reason we're out of control is we're severely dehydrating all of us. Everybody is a different level of what, what, what of dehydrate. Have you ever noticed it in your plants there... Why is it one plant is reacting differently to what you're doing than maybe a lot of the other plants? Maybe one plant's nature to the organism is dehydrating way too quickly compared to the others. That's human life too, Livia. Human life lives no different than the planet lives. Internally, that water outside that skin, we're depending upon that water in the air, that water vapor. If we have a weakness to that from birth, each of us are are different. There are no two eyes dehydrating the same, no two fingerprints. That's why genome research is so fascinating, learning about the cells, DNA, and more. We're all unique. We're just like that plant. We need to depend upon the moisture in the air, but it has to be balanced. What is happening to the climate change? Because our out there, our forefathers were left behind. They were. They. You're young, but way back when I, I'm in my 70s. Way back in time, they believed in fish farming then, but they got away from it, and they used to blame why there was no fish because of whatever reason. It's because the fish farming was recycling the fish, putting the fish back in the rivers to keep that recycling um, movement. And then all of a sudden they say, well, we don't have the fish we used to have to be this other problem. Well, our forefathers believed in recycling. Mm-hmm. That's how they operated our planet. And they did a pretty darn good, okay job. The only thing you and I might disagree with them they invented cigarettes and they invented the frying pan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you to know, all,
3: all, of, <laughs> all of our talk about water, I mean, it, that, it just, it's why we do what we do here on our farm every day, is the, the resource saving and, and leaving future generations with more options and more ability to proceed um, just by using less and being more responsible with what we do use. And, um, you know, I, I think that we can, um, we can do a lot just by being more conscious of what we're, what we're using. Um, something that's always been an inspiration to me is um, how the Native Americans approached every single decision that they made was how will this affect seven generations from now? How will this next thing I do affect seven generations from now? And um, and that's what we think about every day. You know, how will uh, will what we do um, bring more uh, resource and opportunity to future generations? And um, and we really feel that recycling and um, using less and getting more out of what we do use and um, and that consciousness is um, is the most important thing that we do do.
0: I said on the show, and I'll give you a last minute here in a minute, there's five things we need to learn to do personally. Number one, we need to learn to breathe, like those plants are breathing. Absorb that fresh water in the atmosphere and learn to breathe better, in and out, (laughs) our nose, our mouth, and so on. Number two, we need to drink water. It's vital. Fresh water, clean water, nothing added to it. Nothing to block that absorption. It has to be fresh water. At least eight to ten in a 24-hour cycle. Number three, Nutrition is vital. What you're growing, the future of all that is vital with the nutrients and the values to what we're eating. We need green vegetables. We need fresh fruits. We need protein. Yes, and more. The other one is moderate exercise. Um, The earth has a moderate exercise. My mother used to say when it was having storms and the lightning and the thunder, God was putting wood in for the winter. I still look at it that way too, (laughs) Libby. Number five, sleeping. Earth sleeps too. So we're we're to be alive and be healthy and be vibrant and 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 be able to hug people that maybe we have differences with only because if you're healthy you can do that. I have one minute left, and you take advantage of that. Tell us how to find you on the web. Well, um, we're on Facebook if people like to do that. Um, if your listeners uh, would also
3: like to go to our website, which mm-hmm. is www.thefarmingfish.com. Um, There's information about our farm generally, lots of pictures, um, so people can get familiar with uh, what it actually looks like. Um, as well as information about the course I was talking about um, that's coming up here in January. We're, um, mm-hmm. we're going to be leaving the early bird discount um, up through Christmas to give people mm-hmm. a little bit of a, um, an opportunity to, to maybe give aquaponics for Christmas. And, um, and then uh, we're also offering student and group discounts, so uh, you can contact me directly about that. And, uh, again, it's, it's all up on our website, thefarmingfish.com. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on today and, and well, letting me share you our, our farm and our you practice to, with all of your listeners. Very, it's it's very been a real joy. what you
0: guys are doing. And if you ever come up with any, oh, before the gentleman, your guest comes, uh, you might email me and maybe we could have him on. And oh, that uh, would be Because fantastic. I think that's very exciting what you're doing. Um, you're sharing and now your information for others to get fascinated and part of it. Well, I want to thank you for being with us today, you tell your husband, I said hello, and I wish you both well. And I think you're going to have a wonderful January and New Year and have oh, a wonderful sure holiday will. season, too. Thank you so much, Sharon. Enjoy your day. You be well. Bye. Uh-huh. Bye. Well, how much to learn. You know, uh, can we all learn enough? I was told by somebody that I always loved very much, my brother who passed away. He said, somebody who is smart would be scared of, Because they think they know it so much, Uh, we could never know enough. And did we learn a lot today? And that's, wow, how wonderful. Well, embrace your life. It is that special. It's your life. and But again, we need to embrace somebody else's life too and always respect the differences. But we all need to take care of each other also. Reach out into that atmosphere and feel it. Hug it. But Earth whispers, never say goodbye. The power of water on the planet Earth brought all this together. We must protect it. And that means Earth is whispering, don't take it all with you. Leave something behind of yourself for all the generations of those wonderful children for the future. To have something and know you care. I thank you for listening. You have a very special day and you be well.